I had so many feelings, anger at, at the acts of what were coming forward, and then of course worrying about the survivors and the women that had gone through this. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a Maine business leader whose life or business was upended in one day and learned how they navigated their way back. If all great changes are preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to help us make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Maine Technology Institute, or MTI, and Sutherland Weston. This is Jennifer Cook of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. Here, we believe in family asset management. Simply put, it means we do right by you and your loved ones. And it's not necessarily the size of the portfolio we care about. It's the story behind it, a story that's unique to you. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank and may lose value. This is the day that changed everything. I'm Renee Cordes with Maine Biz, speaking today with Katie Shorey. So to get us started, Katie, can you tell us a bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, where you went to school, and what do you do now? So I grew up in Western Maine, a small town called Sweden. It's over near Freiburg and Bridgeton. And I went to Freiburg Academy and went to St. Lawrence University for college. And then I spent some time away working in Washington, D.C., San Francisco, before I boomeranged back to Maine. And now I am the volunteer president of Startup Maine, and I also am the engagement director with Live and Work in Maine. You mentioned boomerang. So what brought you back to boomerang to Maine? It's a fun story. I was home visiting my parents, and I had a remote job so I could be anywhere, work anywhere. And I saw on TV that Portland, Maine was having this startup conference. And at the time it was called Maine Startup and Create Week. And I thought to myself, wow, I had no idea that kind of stuff was going on here in the state. So I decided to go to this conference and just so I could get a ticket, I decided to volunteer and help people register. And that week totally changed everything for me. I got really plugged into the community, learned all about the, the startup and entrepreneurial scene. And it was because of that conference that I decided to sign a lease and I moved to Maine at the end of that week. And you've been back ever since. I have, it will be, it's been five years this July. So for those, uh, especially from out of state who are not familiar with Maine Startup and Create Week, can you just describe what it was? So Maine Startup and Create Week was an annual conference. The idea of it came about, I think in 2013, 2014. And really, it was a time of year that people could come together to learn about what was going on with the startup scene in Maine. They brought speakers and panelists in from all over the country to talk about other really interesting startup news. And it was a really empowering and inspiring conference. And what was it that you heard or the people that you met that sparked your desire to come back to your home state? I didn't know that this kind, these kinds of industries were here. And so it was really meeting the, the people who I would call like the doers and the movers and shakers who were trying to put Maine on the map as a place where you could have a great company, grow your career, and that we had a burgeoning startup community. It was really inspiring to know that this kind of thing was taking place here. So I wanted to be part of that community and be in an area where that kind of 
where this kind of thing was happening. So I decided I wanted to be part of the action. So that's why I moved here. And being a volunteer there, what was that experience? Did you instantly feel like you were part of something as a volunteer that first conference? Yes, it's kind of a joke with my friends when I lived outside of the state that I was always this like main cheerleader. I was always so, so proud of, of what the state, uh, really what it stood for and the, and the, the type of people that we were. So right away, I was able to just jump in, uh, share my story, really ask questions of a lot of people who were doing interesting things just because I was genuinely curious about what everyone was working on. So I was checking people in and, and meeting people that were there for the conference that maybe traveled from out of town, but also people who had moved back just, just like I did. And so it was really easy for me to make an, uh, and get a network and a community really quickly. So Katie, while you were working for People's United Bank, you also stayed very much involved with uh, Maine Startup and Create Week, right? Didn't you help organize future conferences as a volunteer? Yes. So for 2016 and 2017, I was part of the core organizing team and my main job was to do the fundraising. So I had a lot of relationships with our corporate sponsors and other partners. And that was how I spent my time with the conference. So tell us a bit about during the time that you were involved with Maine Startup and Create Week, how it evolved. Uh, I mean, didn't it grow every year? And is it fair to say it was becoming a must go to event for startups and small businesses and even other kinds of businesses? Yes. I, year after year, we started to get more press in state and out of state. We were able to get bigger, bigger names for our keynotes. We were attracting people from out of state coming to the event. So, and it was a, it was a long conference for anyone who's ever been to a conference. This thing was five days long as an, <laughs> as a, as a volunteer, it was a lot of work to put it on. And some people would, you know, come a day or here and there, but some would go for the whole thing. And it was really gaining traction and the brand was the brand was known outside of the state and but it was also really a really special event for those who lived here all of the the different players in the in economic development and the entrepreneurial support organizations it was that time of year where everyone would really come together for for this event to celebrate entrepreneurs and june was the traditional month right of the conference correct we usually had it the third week of june every year do you recall how many atten people attended it? We had thousands of people attend from 2014 through through 2018. And I think we had over 20 states represented as well and a handful of countries. So we were really fortunate to, to get some, some good numbers for this conference year after year. Obviously, you had a front seat and were very involved in helping this conference grow every year. And the organization uh, behind it, a business accelerator called Venture Hall, was also gaining in prominence. It was in line to get a big national grant in early 2018 before we get to the day that changed everything. So on that day, February 2018, there was some news that shocked the community and everyone who was involved with Maine Startup and Create Week when the co-founder and president of Venture Hall and the co-founder of Maine Startup and Create Week suddenly resigned after admitting to allegations of sexual misconduct. Do you recall where you were when you first heard what you found out and what your initial reaction was? Yes. So it was, like you said, winter 2018. And at this point, our team, we really started to gear up for planning the conference. And so I remember hearing the news both on social media, but then the, the, the more mainstream news started to pick this up. And 
I had so many feelings, anger at the at the acts of what were coming forward. And then of course, worrying about the survivors and the women that had gone through this. But I also, I have to admit, like we had fear of what, what this meant for the conference and for the brand that we had been building and all of the work. And though I'm telling this story, there were so many other people who were part of putting together this conference. We have our program team. We sure. have the logistics people, the PR, the marketing folks. So it was really a team effort and we all were worried about what what this meant for the conference and the this initiative that we cared so much about. So I was also really nervous and stressed about talking to the sponsors and the people who give us money. So, so many emotions and um, it was really, it was really a scary and difficult time. And did it feel like a kind of personal betrayal after, you know, all the work and volunteer time that you and so many others put into this? Yes, and I was the the right hand person. I I worked day in and day out, and a lot of the relationships that I had formed were because of the position that I had at, with with Main Startup and Create Week. And I was very fortunate that um, the team, you know, looked to me to stand up. But it was I had not. You're not. Oh, you're not prepared for these kinds of things. Let's just put it that way. Venture Hall was just awarded a sizable national grant that was then annulled, and Main Startup and Create Week, as you said, had grown into this very important event that was known well outside of Maine. So that must have added to the shock factor. Yes, as a state, we had some. We have some great momentum, and a lot of the. I think a lot of the attention was geared toward this individual and. Um, and the work that had been done there. So it's, we, we didn't want, we didn't want to see it stop because there were so many other great people and great organizations that were working toward different initiatives to help, help grow Maine and our entrepreneurial scene. And this was early in the year. The conference was just a few months away. So you were worried that it wouldn't even happen that year. Is that fair to say? Yes. As a group, we, from our, we had group text messages going, calls daily, and then we were getting together really to put our heads together, not only to see how everyone was feeling, but we needed we needed a game plan. And we knew as a group that, like I said before, this team knew the ins and outs of the conference. Even though the, the co-founder was stepping down and we severed ties, we made that very clear, we also knew what needed to go in to make this conference happen. So we just made the decision, okay, if we're gonna forge ahead, what do we need to do? And what are the pieces that need to happen first so we can make this thing happen? I'm sure it was a very trying time for everybody. So after the short break, we'll talk about the action that you took, uh, your game plan, and how you came to start a new organization called Startup Maine. Remember why you went into business? You can say to fulfill a dream or change the world, but I'll bet the real reason you went into business was to make money. So how are you doing? And would you like to do better? Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications has been helping Maine businesses better do what they were built to do, make money by reaching audiences, catching eyes and ears, and helping them make the sale. Worth a phone call? Find Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications online at sutherlandweston.com. All of this happened within a few weeks' time, so it was a really gritty process, but we got it done. Welcome back. I'm Renee Cordes talking with Katie Shorey of Startup Maine about the day that changed everything and what led her to start Startup Maine. So to recap, we were just talking about what happened. 
when the co-founder and head of Venture Hall, the business incubator behind Maine Startup and Create Week, stepped down in early 2018 after admitting to sexual misconduct allegations. Katie, you already talked about being surprised, shocked, angry. So what did you do next? So our team got together and we had to have a lot of hard, difficult conversations. But the first thing that we wanted to make very clear was we are a strong group of people who have been putting this conference together for years and we we are going to we can carry this forward. We also at that time it had been 5 6 years that the organization had been or that the conference had been around and it was time for us to grow up a little bit. So it was a opportunity for us to kind of assess all the other events and things that were happening and say, do we need to exist? Do we as a, as a group and what we put forward, does it have a place here? And the answer that we found was yes. And so with that, we decided to form a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And we did that for a number of reasons. One was because it gave us the opportunity to form a legal entity that would have a board of advisors that would the group would be beholden to. So that kind of put some checks and balances in place. But it also gave us the opportunity to rebrand, rename ourselves. So we decided to become Startup Maine and give ourselves a mission and a purpose for being here. So we, we did some exercises around what we thought our mission should be. And then with that, we also said, yes, we have this conference every year, but we can do more than that. So we wanted to say, let's do more events, more programming, more partnerships throughout the year. And how did you go about starting a nonprofit? Did you have to get uh, legal advice? How long did that whole process take? Usually organizations, when they're standing up, they have a bit more time. And <laughs> we, have, we had to be pretty crafty and quick. So we're very fortunate that two of our, our board members uh, and they were volu- they're volunteers as well, but they're lawyers. So they helped us uh, navigate the process of, of standing up an organization. Bernstein Shore is a, a, a law firm in Portland and they donate cash to us as well as in-kind services. So we use the in-kind services to help get the paperwork needed to form a 501c3. And with that, we also, I was asked by the group to step up and take on the position of executive or president of Startup Maine and also chairwoman of the board. So we appointed the the small group that were our core volunteers to be board members and got our paperwork in place and filed it uh, with the state and nationally. And how long did that whole process take? Just the paperwork alone? All these conversations were ongoing after starting in, in February. And I think we had our paperwork and because you have to you have to put in what your mission is and who the officers are we were doing this by end of march so we did it very quickly in a matter of weeks not only that but we had we had a volunteer who was a graphic designer so she helped us figure out what our logo and our branding was going to be uh, we totally remade the website so that we became startup main and all of this happened within a few weeks time so it was a really a really quick gritty process, but we got it done. Backtracking for a second, Katie, outside of the core group of people directly involved with Maine Startup and Create Week, do you recall who were your first phone calls to or communications with outside of that about what you should do next? When everything was ongoing, we made it a high priority to make sure that our funders 
knew exactly what was going on. So as I mentioned before, I was chair of fundraising. I was always in touch with our, our corporate sponsors and I wanted to make sure that they were getting all of their information directly from, from me. So I had one-on-one -on -one calls or in-person meetings with all of our sponsors to let them know, A, what was going on, B, that we were forging ahead and we were going to have an awesome conference and that we were doing all the things in our in our power to make sure that the brand move forward because they're in a positive way because the these companies their names are attached to startup me so we wanted to make sure that um, they felt comfortable with everything moving forward and that they had confidence in us and how hard was it to you know instill that confidence when you're going from damage control to you know trying to start a new brand and it wasn't always just me having the conversations with the sponsors. I mean, yes, me as the, the fundraising chair, but I'd bring in somebody from marketing as well as somebody from the program team to be able to say to our contacts, hey, this is what's going on, but we have a great plan in place. This is how we're going to market our conference and market ourselves moving forward. We're going to change the name because we think it helps us break away and you know, stand alone and, and really build the brand this way. And then the program team could talk about their ideas for who the they wanted to bring to the event, as well as maybe the topics or the themes that we were going to have throughout the conference. So it was really a team approach in making sure that everyone felt good about what we were putting together. And did you get the sponsors to stay? So that year, we, we actually were able to keep all of our sponsors, except for one who had already told us ahead of time that they were going to not re-sign that year, but that was not related. But we actually got a handful of new sponsors as well. People really showed up for us, and they thought that the conference and the, the events that we put on were valuable, so they wanted to see us succeed. So we had a lot of great community support, especially for that year. We had to throw the conference together in a matter of four months, so there was a lot of work to be had. Did you also then change the formula or the format or anything about the conference that first year? Yes. Yeah, so we eventually only decided to have a two-day conference. I think it was in 2017, a group of us who were volunteers, we had a little bit of money left over from the conference and we all were able to go and attend to one or two conferences around the country just to see how around other the people, same theme around the same theme. Yes. Like it could have been a startup conference in New Orleans or out in San Francisco and really to gather best practices about what, you know, what, what these communities were doing and, and anything that we could bring, bring back and put into place right away. You know, we knew that five days was way too long and we wanted more people to be able to take advantage of it. So we slashed the price significantly uh, we were able to do that through making sure that we had great sponsors who could allow our tickets to only be $48 for the two and a half day event. Yeah, those were just some of the changes that we we put into effect right away. But we also made sure that 50% of our speakers and our um, our panelists were were female. We tried to make sure that we had a, a, a gender diversity breakdown, but that's also something that had been that we had been putting in place, I believe, since 2017. But we carried that through to Startup Maine as well. And then when you were setting up a Startup Maine and this new board and a new structure, what steps did you take to guard against this type of problem, sexual misconduct, allegations, or situation ever happening again? Because you said so, you had lawyers who were involved. Presumably they gave you some legal advice on that. Yes. Yeah, so in our in our bylaws and the, the in standing up the organization, um, not only are we want gender diversity on the board as well um, from our from the people who sit on on the board, by having these 
practices in place. We have directors and officers insurance. We just make sure that we have um, a lot of checks and balances, even from things with the with the treasurer and the bank account. There's not only one person has access to the bank account. We make sure that there are just lots of rules in place, like a like an organization should should have to make sure that um, there are good practices. And if someone ever does have a complaint, is, is there a procedure in place? A complaint of any kind, I mean. A complaint of any kind would absolutely go to the the boards of the boards of directors. So that is just something that if we had a if we have a volunteer, a new volunteer or somebody who sits on the board, we make sure that everyone knows that if there is an issue, that this is the the path to take in in filing a complaint or in just making your voice heard. We just want to make sure that no voices are ever silenced. And you have also continued to to grow Startup Maine. Obviously, this year is different. How have you sort of helped Startup Maine then grow each year? So last year, we had a variety of other programming throughout the, throughout the year. So for example, we partnered with Grove Collaborative. They had they have a great company that's headquartered in California, but they opened their second headquarter here in Portland. And we had their CEO fly out to to Maine for this event. We had a we started a series called Insights from a Founder, and they talked about how they've grown the company and why they picked Maine. So it was a really fun event, but also helped the people who attended the event really think bigger and broader about how what, what it means to really grow a company. And then we've had other smaller events that we've that we've been able to participate in, like moderating a Maine Viz panel or just lifting <laughs> up some of the lifting up some of the other events um, that are happening in the ecosystem. If you know, Maine Technology Institute or CEI is having an event. We want to make sure that we're we're helping them get the word out. And then and then last year there was a opportunity for us to take a cohort of Maine companies to the one of the largest gatherings of um, startups in the country. It's called TechCrunch Disrupt. It's in San Francisco, and a Maine company had never attended or exhibited. So we raised some money to be able to take a cohort of eight companies out to San Francisco to exhibit as a Maine cohort and also have the opportunity to meet investors, meet potential meet potential customers. And we brought a, thanks to Maine Startups Insider, they were able to help us bring out um, a video crew to essentially capture the whole experience that we t- then turned into a documentary about the whole about the whole time. And so those were just some of the activities that we were that we were doing last year. We really wanted to further put Maine on the map as a place that has a great startup scene. And startup Maine on the map too, as, as a brand in its own right, would you say? Yes, we want to, we often get inquiries about what's happening in the state and what's the vibe like there. If somebody wants to work at a startup or maybe grow their startup in Maine, we're often that first line of defense where people are reaching out. So we want folks to know that we're a great resource and we can connect them to the right people if they need to meet with angel investors or main venture fund or get to know the folks at Maine Technology Institute. We're really the, the connector there and just want to help lift up all the great work that everyone across the state's doing. Thanks, Katie. So we're going to take a very short break and then we'll come back and hear what lessons you learned from this whole experience. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before, which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. 
That's maintechnology.org. I don't see it as a burden. I see it as a real opportunity. So wrapping up now with Katie Shorey, can you tell us what the most important lessons you learned from this whole experience are, what happened with Maine Startup and Create Week that prompted you to then start a new organization called Startup Maine? Yes, so I have three big lessons and takeaways from the whole experience. One is that it's very important to have a personal board of advisors and people that you go to for advice and mentorship. So while everything that was happening back in 2018, um, things were moving very quickly, but I had people in my network from both inside and outside of the state who I wanted to just share what we were share what I, what I was feeling and the approach that I was thinking of taking and just get their input and see what they if they thought that that was correct. So people with different experiences, different background. And I think it's really important to ask for help and to get outside of just your own head when you're making big decisions like this. Secondly, I cannot stress the importance enough of communicating and maybe even over communicating. I think for us, we were able to forge ahead in, in such a strong way because not only did we communicate internally as a team quickly, and make sure that we were all on the same page and really had a democratic process of moving forward, but also communicating to our funders and our sponsors, as well as the press. We wanted to make sure that we were controlling the narrative of what what the press and media were putting out. So they knew and had confidence in us as well to say, you know, this group is going to take take this organization to a whole new level. So over-communicating, so no one's guessing about what's going on. (laughs) And then third, I think I've learned that it's absolutely okay to step into power. And when I say power, I more mean a position of of leadership and and taking control of a situation. I was asked by my group to step up and lead. And there could have been another alternative universe where I said, well, maybe I'm not the right person for it, or maybe we just do this as a group. But decisions and and action needed to be taken to forge a, a, a new path forward. So Sometimes you just got to say yes and step forward and lead. And you, there are people below you who are under you that work with you that are subject matter experts. So if you feel like you're moving forward ahead, you always have people that you can ask advice. And as a leader now of a nonprofit, I mean, do you feel under great pressure to be there when someone would have a problem, whether it be finances or a personnel issue, that they can come to you and see that problem addressed? You know, do you feel that burden on your shoulders as as the leader, the head of a nonprofit? I don't see it as a burden. I see it as a real opportunity because there are people both inside the organization and out um, have come to me for advice. Maybe they're facing a a similar or different challenge in their workplace and they want to know how I would go about it or how I would how I would handle different situations. And I really think it's important to share in that knowledge of what I've learned. And I, I want to be thought of as somebody who is really giving and kind and as is a connector because we're all we're all in this together. We're all trying to grow different organizations and and support our growing ecosystem. So we take our, our mission of being a, a connector, a convener, and a catalyst very, very seriously. So I'm proud of what we've done, and I'm, I'm very honored that I can be at the helm of it right now. And given everything that happened and the way that things ended with Made Startup and Create Week, anything you would have done differently with your time there? Or are you still glad that you put your time and effort into that and that makes you sort of ready for what you're doing now? I am excited and proud of all the things that we've built. The only thing that I would do differently is I think I would have liked to think bigger earlier. <laughs> I, I'm really proud that we were able to take that cohort to TechCrunch, and I hope that we can do other things like that and get more national 
attention, but I, I think partnerships are key. And we, because of how hard it is to get funding and get things moving, but I'm a doer. And I really, I, if, even if it's a crazy idea, I like finding a way to, to make it happen. So no regrets, but I think I, I, I wanna just dream bigger for the future. This has been a production of Main Biz. Find out more about this podcast and other Main Biz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Maine Technology Institute, or MTI, and Sutherland Weston. The Main Biz podcast team includes Renee Cordes, Will Hall, Maureen Milliken, Allison Nason, Andrea Tetzlaff, and Donna Broussard. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedenka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. The Main Biz podcast team also thanks Peter Van Allen, Betsy Vanderplug, Ken Hansen for their contributions. Subscribe to the Main Biz podcast at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Copyright 2020.